Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers. It will also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Ho ho ho! Merry Christmas! Oh, 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 oh no! Oh my god! Oh no! Hello and welcome to another mini-sode of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How the devil are you? I'm okay, man. I'm, I'll be honest with you, I've got a little bit of a cold, so if I'm sniffing or snorting, then I apologise to the listeners, and I apologise to you as well, quite it's, frankly. It's okay, I mean, we were going to do this yesterday, and the reason that we didn't is because you didn't want to infect me with whatever disease you're incubating at the moment, so I appreciate, your, uh, appreciate you looking out for me, having my best interests hey, at heart. Hey, I've got your back, mate. Um, I'll tell you, <laughs> tell you something that happened to me the other day. Go on. Walking through a central station, minding my own business, had my headphones in, strutting away as I do, clicking my fingers as I walked. And uh, a pigeon shot in my head. A pigeon shot in your head in Central Station? It did, aye. aye. It feels especially vindictive when yeah. there is a roof on that building. Well, they, 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 you know they flutter about in there. Yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interlopers. Yeah, um, and then uh, just moments before I hit record on this, my son shot up his back. So. Oh, okay, so a very shite-orientated week for you. But has, it been a sh- <laughs> but has it been a shite week? Uh, in general, no, apart from, the, apart from the cold and stuff. And ha- weirdly having to sign off an episode on my own. Thanks for that. <laughs> And that was weird, I'm not going to lie. We did receive a message from one of our listeners, I believe it was James Duffy, telling us how jarring it was. Yeah, I mean, it was jarring for, it was jarring for me also, I must admit, but thank you for doing that. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. And, uh, yeah, apart from all this, um, uh, weird episode endings and shit aside, <laughs> what have you been watching? Um, well, I, I'm going to talk about something that we've talked about at length on the show a million billion times, as a matter of fact. But okay. I feel that it deserves additional mention. Now that there is an amazing Blu-ray release coming out from Second Sight Films. In fact, at the point of this episode releasing, it'll be out there in the world. Yes, I believe that is true, and I know exactly which film you're talking <laughs> about. And on the Apocalypse. Uh, yes. It's out on Blu-ray tomorrow. Yes, very exciting indeed, and great film. Yeah, and a massive thanks to Second Sight for furnishing us with a preview copy of that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say right off the bat, this pisses all over that terrible DVD that Kaleidoscope put out. Okay. <laughs> You remember talking to John about this fabled commentary track that didn't make it onto the DVD? Mm-hmm. It's on the Blu-ray, and it's really, really good. It's John himself, uh, Roddy Hart, Tommy Riley, and co-writer Alan McDonald talking. Um, and it's really funny. It's quite enlightening. The special features in this are really good. On there is the original short zombie musical, which was directed by Ryan McHenry, who mm-hmm. obviously sadly passed away. That was the first time I'd seen it. I'd heard about it for ages and ages. But watching it on the Blu-ray was actually the first time I watched it. And you can kind of see things that have held over from the short and into the feature. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting for that perspective. You've also got an cool. extended cut of the film on there, Mitch. Just saying. Oh, lovely. Yeah. 
I'll need to get on that. Like, if there if there, if, there, if there is a second of that film that I haven't seen, <laughs> well, there might there might well be. By the way, and uh, there's a whole obviously a whole bunch of the usual special features. There's a more or less feature length documentary on there as well about the making of it. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, John uh, did a kind of unboxing video that was doing the rounds on social media this week, where he was running through all the stuff that was on there, and it does look like a really really cool and very complete package. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw him doing that as well. I mean. Second Sight are fucking amazing, and they're absolutely crushing it now. Like, obviously, they put out Upgrade recently and The Invitation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, yeah, and, yeah. and now this. It's a really kind of strong little period for them now. Uh, nice wee hot streak going on, for sure. For yeah, sure. absolutely. But, I mean, we could talk about Anna and the Apocalypse all day, but we've talked about it a lot, and I guess, as for the film itself, it's great. It is. It's great fun, and, uh, yeah, of course, it's coming out at the right time of year. Um, it's getting added to my Christmas rotation. I think that I think that I'm actually double-billing it with Elf at the GFT in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, you told me you were going to be doing that. Uh, well, I, I watched it, obviously, for the first time this season, I guess you could say, on a Friday. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and, and dug into the whole thing. Yeah, I think it'll probably enter my rotation. And Nathan found it particularly interesting himself. He was having a, a good time with some of the songs. Excellent. Good, good. I think he liked the kinetic nature of it all that's yeah i can see, I can see why that would be put that on the box stimulating for a child <laughs> there's a, certainly a lot of colors <laughs> but no we are obviously longtime fans of the film and that looks like a great package and it's available now yeah and it's important to mention this is coming without any bias given that we're friends with john <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, I actually, yeah, like, I, I already loved the film before I was friends with John. I need to. I feel like I feel the need to stress that every now and again. Yeah, absolutely. So, anything else? Well, there's another thing, but I mean, I'm, I'm still chipping my way through it, but it has made me happier than anything in the world, and I think you also know what this might be. Uh, I think that judging by a picture that you shared on the Instagram <laughs> this week and your face in that photo, yes, I can make an educated guess what you're talking about. Yeah, I got Criterion's Showa Error Godzilla collection. Yes. Uh, and it's it's fucking amazing. 15 films, kicking off with Godzilla, ending at Terror of Mecha Godzilla. So from 1954 to 1975. To what extent have you chipped your way through this? Probably done about 10 films. Jesus. Since I got got my hands on it. I tell you a lie. I've done 11 films. 11? Strong innings? Yeah, yeah. From absolute classics like the original to uh, shite like All Monsters Attack. Right, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, uh, this this looks like an amazing package. A few people have been sharing the fact that it's been hitting their front doors just uh, just this week. I saw our old pal Stevie Reeve freaking out because his took much longer to arrive than he had expected. Oh, he won't like that. No, 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 no. He's He's got it now, judging from Twitter. Good. He's got it now. Everybody can relax. But uh, good, it, good, good. it certainly didn't arrive on the day that he expected it to. Mm. <laughs> Can't have that. No. What about you? That's pretty much all I've been watching is Godzilla films and Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, I must admit, I've only got one to really talk about this week outside of Shockwave stuff. And um, it's kind of a tenuous one, but I'm going to say that it qualifies because there's a murder in it and it is pretty bloody and the humour is quite black. Right. But uh, this week, um, and I think it's in cinemas now, but on Monday I caught a preview of uh, Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, um... So obviously, yeah, Ryan Johnson, best known for Looper, <laughs> Last Jedi, and um, I really like uh, his first film, Brick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, great, like, I, I really like his work in general, um, and when I saw the cast and the kind of plot for this, I was kind of all in, because it's basically, it's basically a whodunit, uh-huh. with uh, where the kind of, the, the murdered person is the patriarch of this family, who's played by Christopher Plummer, but in there you've got... Um, uh, 
Chris Evans playing like an absolute slimeball character and he's really, really great in it. Right. Um, but everyone's great in it. Jamie Lee Curtis is here, Michael Shannon as well. Um, Anna de Armas from uh, Blade Runner 2049 and Knock oh, sure. Knock. Yeah. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's, she's, she's kind of she's she's the lead in this actually. But yeah, they, um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield's in there as well. A whole bunch of really, really great people. This is, and Daniel Craig um, with a really strange Southern American accent that kind of works in a weird way. Sure. Um, this, the, I, I honestly can't recommend this film enough. I, you know that thing where you come out of the cinema and something has put you in a better mood? Yes. Like I had that with Knives Out and I kind of like, I woke up the next day still thinking about how much I enjoyed it. It's really, really twisty. I didn't see it coming. Again, I never see things coming, so no, I'd be curious don't. to know if other people did. But it's, it's really twisty, quite black humoured in places, very, very funny. Performances across the board are great. It's just like really satisfying to watch a bunch of really good actors work with really good material. I can just sort of evidently all having a good time. Like it's yeah, it's it's really really great. I would, it's in cinemas now. Like I say, I think it came out kind of like Thursday Wednesday ish last week. If you're looking for something that's a wee bit different, get yourself out to see it. I can't recommend it highly enough. Excellent. I've seen nothing but good things about this. To be honest, ah, it's 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 really really great, really great. But yeah, that's 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 the most of my view in this week. I've been quite busy wrapping up a couple of things, so um, yeah, I, I couldn't make up too much time for stuff. But I did squeeze in one other thing. Ah, Mitch, what's your shockwave? One hundred. Film number ninety-five. Oh, the one hundred. Yeah, okay. Was uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So we mentioned last week that this was one of the films left on the list, and yes. you said that you know you asked then, should I say, whether or not it was the Donald Sutherland one? It was right, excellent. Because I mean, there's quite a few out there, including uh, Abel Ferrara's Body Snatchers, which came later and which I love. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, right? Uh huh. Knowing what you know about me and my taste, what do you think I thought of Invasion of the Body Snatchers? I think you thought it was slow. Okay. Uh, I think you just weren't really that into it i would say that you're possibly underselling it slightly i like quite enjoyed it you quite enjoyed Um, it (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't mind it i thought i thought it was i thought it was pretty good i never i would agree i think that you're you're probably correct in the assertion that i do think it's a little bit slow but i never checked out of it or anything like that right um and i know i did quite enjoy it also um uh, obviously a very prescient touchstone for jay dial's there are monsters (laughs) well i mean Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> it's written all over there are monsters that this uh, might as well start with. Uh, this film is based on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm not going to come out and say that I think that there are monsters that are, is a better film than Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I would, pre- uh, I would prefer you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want people showing up at my door. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did quite enjoy it. And like I say, uh, five to go, and I think that they are Cemetery Man. Yeah, uh, Exorcist Three. Right, okay. Rosemary's Baby. Uh-huh. Possession. Okay. And, of course, uh, my secret shame, The Monster's Quest. Right, okay. Well, I mean, I want to tell you this. I've taken possession of Arrow Video's new Exorcist 3. Okay. So we could maybe settle down for that, for the final film. Um, I, I'm increasingly thinking that would make a good final film, because a few people have mentioned it when we've been talking about the shockwaves, when they've been getting in touch on social media and things. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we can certainly do that. On that subject, actually, so we're now f- five films and theoretically five weeks away from me finishing the Shockwaves 100, <laughs> which has been ongoing uh, for, yeah, like most of the time that this podcast has existed. Do we know when we began this? What episode we began it on? Um, I, I could, I, I'm going to go and find out um, and just see how long this project's been incubating for. Jesus but Christ. Basically, it's going to be done early in the new year, and we did have this idea, and we're going to invite some feedback on this. Uh-huh. 
Because we did kind of think, we talked about it a little bit this week, and I think that trying to figure out the particulars of it maybe needs some contributions from everybody out there. But we were thinking that because we're going to be, I'm going to be burning off the last of this early 2020 uh-huh. at the latest. And we were thinking that it might be nice to have a kind of listener gathering for drinks or something uh, to celebrate us all reaching the end of this. <laughs> I like that idea. I mean, obviously, we're in Glasgow and our listeners are global. Yes. So yeah, that, that's but... not necessarily going to be the easiest thing to do. But I mean, I, I would be quite happy to try and get something together somewhere. Yeah, um, but that's basically the full extent of the plan that we have just now. Something somewhere. Yeah, well, let's um, get a read on who's kind of who out there would be interested. Yeah. Who are you? Where are you? Where would you go? <laughs> What's the furthest the field you would go? And we'll. And I was going we'll to say, what's call- your drink of choice? But I'm not getting roped into buying potentially however many drinks. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, but let us know what you think and what you might be up for doing, and we'll maybe see if we can put something together in January or February. Because celluloid screams, obviously, we spent a lot of time hanging out with listeners and having a laugh there. That was great, and it would be really nice to be able to do that again. Yeah, um, what I would like, Mitch, is if you could take the Shockwaves 100 and definitively put them in your order of preference. I will try and do that. Between now and then, yeah, I can definitely do that. Yeah, and what d- absolutely. we could do is on the night, we could read them out and as the definitive Mitch Bain Shockwaves 100 order of preference. Happy with that. Happy with that. <laughs> That's a great idea. I will I will get that done. Um, I will get that done at some point, I promise. But yeah, five to go on the Shockwaves. Yeah. What have they been saying? They have once again been saying a decent amount, right. and needless to say, a lot of the feedback being consumed by Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And with that, big thank you, of course, to the uh, co-director of the Soho Horror Festival, Mitch Harrod, for joining us last week and talking at length about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So loads of people getting in touch about that. First off, Gorehound, uh, Zombie Slew on Twitter. Yeah. I'll hide behind the fact that I was only nine when I first saw Nightmare on Elm Street 2, so <laughs> overlooked the gay references. 100% schooled, however, by Scout the Horizon, that's Mitch. Watch for his Mitch and Andy make stuff in the latest Strong Violent PC episode. Great episode. I'm looking at a Scream Queen viewing next. Scream Queen, of course, being the Elm Street 2 documentary about Mark Patton that yes. Mitch was mentioning. I've got quite a lot, and people have actually been really lovely about this episode. You know what, yeah, uh, that's worth a mention actually. Some people coming out with some real kind words this week, which we uh, really appreciate. You know that way sometimes we'll put an episode out and the kind of naming convention kind of shits us in the foot sometimes because people are like, oh, this doesn't need defending. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and we've not really had that this time. Uh, Maybe it just means that Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 does need defending. But um, (laughs) some people have been really lovely. Uh, Saltired Popcorn getting in touch saying, I always love Strong Violent PC, of course, but the latest episode with Scout the Horizon, that's Mitch, Discussing Freddy's Revenge compliments the cruising episode from last week so well. Sexuality and horror discussed with intelligence, wit, and not once ever laughing at the central struggles. That's really nice to hear. That's kind of what we we want. I mean, it's fine to have a joke and a laugh and to maybe even get a bit close to the bone at times, but what we don't want to do is kind of overlook the importance of these things or to offend anybody. No, exactly, yeah, and, it's, and it is nice to hear that um, people think that we're kind of generally getting that right. Yeah, because as, as I mentioned in a tweet this week, I mean, me and you are two straight white guys, the worst group of people in the world. Certainly the uh, group of people whose contribution to most things is least is least necessary now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> or like no least one wants to for. hear from straight white guys. Um, <laughs> but if we are putting something out where the straight white guy thing isn't, so apparent and repellent then i think that i'm, I'm pretty happy with that yes i'll take that also appreciate it. <laughs> definitely uh horror in a tweet 
Uh, right. David S. Smith on Twitter got in touch uh, with some longer considerations. When this, we announced this, he got in touch saying, excellent choice, I'm a big fan. It's a film that shouldn't need defending, though some horror groups I'm in dismiss it. Quite tellingly, they often cite the gay subtext as a bad thing. If anything, the bad part is the homophobic ending where he defeats Freddy by kissing a woman. Now, this is something, obviously, that Mitch talks about as he thinks is broadly misinterpreted. Yeah, he... Uh, uh, so he jumped in. Is it homophobic since Jesse doesn't defeat Freddy? Is the coda inference that Freddy is the toxic byproduct of having to bury your sexuality? Uh, Dave then listened to the show, got back, said, okay, I've now listened to the show and it's a persuasive argument, especially about Lisa's role. I'll give it a ponder next time I watch. It could make me like it more as the finale's never sat right with me. So it's kind of cool that people are kind of like reevaluating their takes on things and stuff like that. So big thanks to uh, David for getting in touch and talking us through his kind of process on that one as well. Looking forward to uh, hearing what you think if you do give it a rewatch as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, thanks for getting in touch about that because it's this has been really cool for me to see all this this week. Uh, and uh, a couple of former guests getting in touch about A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Okay. Jules Boyle. Oh, yeah. He of Life Force. Yes, Life Force episode, episode 19, if I'm not mistaken. Saying, an actual classic, great selection. Cool. And Paddy Murphy getting in touch to say, love this episode. Mitch Harrod is a wonderful being. Love his strong <laughs> language and violent scenes podcast. And uh, we love you too, Paddy, and good luck shooting the new film this week. Yes, all the best, all the best. Knows his way around to compliment that man. Yeah. <laughs> he sure does. Have you got anything else on Elm Street 2? Because I'm ready to move on. But all have right. you got anything else, now might be the time. I've got one other thing, and again, it's something lovely. Uh, it's Hanny underscore Ray getting in touch. Okay. Saying, it was a really good episode. Uh, thought-provoking, but still very funny. Excellent content as ever, guys. Oh, thanks very much. That yeah. is nice. Yeah, see? Going a, a little bit further back, but only slightly further back, um, Andy McCartan getting in touch about our cruising episode, uh, episode 79B, uh, with Adam Marcus. Uh, he, uh, Andy got in touch and Andy got in touch and said, Cruising doesn't need defending. It's a great film that sums up a crazy time in the crazy place, with minor character beats that flesh out the story arc despite the ambiguous ending. It's only underseen because for a long time there wasn't a decent release, which is probably true. That is exactly true. I mean, I, I think I touched on that in the episode itself, that there's no doubt in my mind that Cruising's an amazing film, uh, especially when stacked up against some of the other films that we've done on this show. I, I think that I think that sometimes just talking about things that are underseen or things that might have slipped under people's radars is worth doing. Um, and I think that it was nice to be able to talk about um, a film that is obviously tackling a lot of serious subjects uh, and kind of be able to still have a laugh about it while still kind of hopefully taking all those things seriously. Well, I mean, absolutely. And, and going back to the underseen thing, um, up until Arrow put that Blu-ray out a few weeks ago, um, there wasn't really ever a way to get your hands on cruising in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, and of course, I mean, we kind of come back to this all the time, but it is really is great that there are so many companies out there that are working to give platforms to these films now and give them kind of the releases that they deserve. Honestly, I'm, I'm and I'll, I'll maybe touch on this a little bit later. You'll, you'll see why and when. But okay. it's amazing to me that sometimes that guys like 88 Films and Second Sight and Arrow are putting out these absolutely batshit crazy films that no one's ever really given a second thought to like i, I, I guess things like call a boss ah do you know call what I mean? the boss yeah call the boss yeah would be something that you would think i'm amazed that this has got this high-flying release like it has yeah yeah and i think it's really cool like i say it's it's it's, it's great that people are doing this with like you say some like sometimes some incredibly strange films and incredibly strange selections yeah elsewhere uh kim morrison got in touch wicked sister 69 Hi, on kim. twitter um she was catching up on a film rather than an episode finally watching demon wind and i feel oh. like Oh. <laughs> I feel like the podcast mentioned the terrible subtitles in the episode. Uh, in their episode, the subtitles frequently just read mumbling, even though you can clearly hear what the characters are saying. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to think to- that somebody, one of those subtitles, has just went. This isn't worth my time. 
This is it's genuinely it is hands down the most phoned in subtitling I've ever seen. <laughs> just just the subtitle just reads once. It just says <laughs> general once. Panicked English. It's like someone having a really bad day at work. It's just like this is the film I'm doing. Fuck this. Like, fuck this. Fuck this. Fuck I, this. After do, after today, I'm quitting. <laughs> um, I have a couple of things actually. Just just to cycle back kinda to cruising. Want to say a quick hello to Andre Martin's Carl Han on Twitter. Hi, uh, just uh, he got in touch this week, pointing out that Arrow Videos had a sale on, which I think is maybe still ongoing. And cruising, amongst other things, could be picked up for ten pounds there. So uh, if you are still curious about cruising and haven't checked it out yet, now could be the time. By the way, that, that sale that's on at Arrow Video just now is amazing. They're moving warehouse, so they're trying right. to get rid of a fair whack of stock. There's stuff like, like we say, like cruising for £10. There's stuff even cheaper. There's like out of print limited edition box sets on there that they're just trying to shift before they move. So it's worth going on and having a snoop around because some of the deals on there are incredible. Is this why you've remortgaged your house? <laughs> I don't want to say that I've taken part in the sale, but I might have taken part. <laughs> and why the hell not? Yeah. I have one more thing, but do you have anything else uh, to touch on? I do. I've got a couple of things, actually. One on okay. Sucker Punch coming in from Dave Cooper at Deluxe underscore Man. Okay. He's saying, just finished the Sucker Punch episode. That was a strong defence. I uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, incredible yeah, yeah, strong defence. It's almost made me want to watch it again. Almost. <laughs> almost. almost. <laughs> uh, not that I will. I can see the thinking that it's about empowering women in some way, but I'm not quite sure Zack Snyder making the film was the right way to do it. I do agree that the brothel level was more engaging than the rest of the film. I just didn't care for the rest of it. That's a great point in the middle there about whether or not making the film was the best way to get that message across. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a very interesting angle. Uh, big thanks for getting in touch there, Dave. Yeah, and I've got one more thing here that's a bit of general niceness. Okay. And it's from S. Tun at Dr. S. Tun. Okay. Getting in touch to say, in-flight entertainment sorted for the honeymoon. And it's a collage image of Parasite, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, Mm -hmm. uh, the Irishman. Nice. Our pal Mike over at the Evolution of Horror. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. And indeed, episode 80 of our show. Wow, we're in an illustrious company there. Very much so. And you know what? The fact that you will allow us to intrude on your honeymoon is fantastic i hope you have a magnificent time on your honeymoon and uh yeah drink loads eat loads and have a brilliant time yeah absolutely yeah yeah have a great one and yeah yeah thanks for uh thanks for letting us figure in your travel plans always nice <laughs> yeah. i do always think it's nice to find out the ways that we slide into people's daily or daily or weekly routines that kind of thing really interests me i find it interesting that we so frequently accompany people on flights when i'm so scared of flying that is interesting that's a good point i never thought of that oh I have one more thing, and we're going way back. We're going back almost a year. Uh, Shakes Shake seventy two on Twitter. So just watch Sushi Girl. Well, fuck yeah, that was January. That was our first episode of this year. I believe that is. I believe that's correct. Yes, uh, Tony Todd, you never disappoint. Have to say, I really liked it, including uh, Mark Hamill's bad wig and larger than life performance. Uh-huh. Time to see what the chaps at Strong Violent PC have to say on the matter. Uh, I really hope you enjoy the episode, Dave. I had a great time on that one, and uh, Jay. Uh, from Horror Happens Radio, getting uh, joining us on that one. Really great guest and a lovely guy. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. I just want to also touch on another thing that's kind of timely. Almost exactly a year ago, we did an episode on Christmas Evil. In fact, it was our last episode of the year. Yeah, uh-huh, that's right. Not tomorrow, but the following week, 88 Films are putting out Christmas Evil on their Slasher Classics label. Oh, nice. 
So uh, you'll be able to go into whatever shops your preference or online and grab a copy of Christmas Evil that's been put on a Blu-ray. Imagine the world where that was happening. Excellent, excellent. And uh, then after that, you can listen to our Christmas episode from last year when we ate loads of Christmas food, drank quite a lot of wine, and then recorded an episode about Christmas Evil. I listened to it the other day, actually, and I... I think it's quite apparent as it goes on that I'm quite drunk because you can very clearly hear my mouth slurping. Like, I'm like, blah, 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 just turn. Yeah. We definitely got a little bit more devil big care with that kind of thing as the name went Absolutely. Um, that's my lot of feedback for this week, apart from some feedback of a very specific persuasion. Wow, through headphones, that is brutal. <laughs> Mitch's Bitches is, of course, a feature on the show designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be, of course, a poster from a horror film from years gone by, from which he will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any other identifying text and leave only the image. It will, of course, as always, fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to, where possible... Give it a title and a synopsis. So, it was Dolly D this last week. Correct. Uh, repurposed by me pretty horrendously as Kringle Doll Dismay. <laughs> wow. With the tagline, they've traced the doll and it's coming from inside the house. <laughs> I hope you're happy yeah. with yourself. Not my finest work. Um, we have a ha- we have, well, a few pitches getting in uh, this week. Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Penny's parents become concerned when they begin finding the gruesome remains of creatures in her room, but Penny swears that her really real girl doll is responsible. <laughs> it's 1990s, you're my best fiend. All right, okay. Uh, the Shake 72, there'll be more than tears with tiny fears. <laughs> C.P. Buckley, five years after the death of his daughter Sybil, Thomas Finian is alone. His wife has left him and he spends his day studying the voodoo magics. Right, sure. On a dark and stormy night, he performs a spell that he believes will bring his daughter's soul back. His plan is to put her soul into Sybil's favourite doll. The spell works and the doll comes to life, but something seems wrong. After the murder of several neighbours, Thomas discovers that the doll was not possessed by his daughter, but instead it is inhabited by the demon Philemptius. <laughs> it's the 1989 classic, She Came Back. Alright, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought there was an ellipsis after that. No, just a question mark. <laughs> a couple a couple a couple of longer considerations to round us out. Okay. Kevin Matthews first on Facebook. Ah, Dolly Dearest. Or it may be the tale of a children's TV show gone horribly awry, where the BBC is asked if they can use the format to start teaching children about politics, perhaps using some ice cream imagery to sweeten the message. <laughs> this sends the host, a vuncular and beloved elderly gent, Simon Werther's original, into a complete fit of rage. <laughs> he would rather wash the walls with the brains of Beeb staff than brainwash the children who tune in to see him every week. Able to use a shotgun? Brian can't, but Simon really can. In the 70s shocker that traumatised a nation with a special cameo appearance by Richard, Richard Stilgo, it's the <laughs> Knickerbocker Glory Tory story that turned Jack and Uri Gory. Amazing. Pretty Amazing years. title. Incredible title. Incredible title. <laughs> worth the, pay, the, the, the payoff was worth it. I agree. And to round us out this week, now strap in for this one. I want to see how quickly you can catch what's coming here. Right. Uh, Tony Constantino. When an Illinois butcher unwittingly discovers his meat supplier has been bribing government health inspector Wait! Rusty Smug... Mm-hmm. Is he back? Let's read on. Oh my god. When an Illinois butcher unwittingly discovers his meat supplier has been bribing government health inspector Rusty Smuggler to ignore unethical <laughs> practices regarding the treatment of livestock, his convenient sudden demise in a meat grinder incident isn't nearly <laughs> as final as was intended. Now inexplicably possessing the body of his shop window dummy, it's up to revenant sandwich-based butcher Ron Mintz yeah! to expose the truth and avenge the deaths of his bovine brethren in Dom Mankini's brazenly bold, beautifully baffling and bizarrely brilliant billion-dollar box office-breaking reboot, 
Child's Flay. <laughs> Starring Liam Neeson, Paul Giamatti, and special appearance by Clint Eastwood as Detective Buff Rockhard. <laughs> Fucking yes, he's back. Yeah, the mince is back. Return wow, of the, the Flay Minion returns. Yeah, there you go. The Prodigal Ron returns. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so, uh, best pitch, best character name? Uh, best title to Kevin Matthews. Okay, I'm not even going to go back and read it again, but no, yes. No, no, uh, it's there if you want it. And uh, best pitch to Tony for bringing back our beloved long-lost hero. Ron Mintz, I wonder if the Flavengers will come back. Flavengers Mensembo. <laughs> Very soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my turn. Yeah, I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty excited about this one, I've got to be honest. Okay. Are you ready? Um, okay, here we go. Oh, Andy. <laughs> I, I think this is some of your best work. <laughs> I'm thrilled about this. Okay, so uh, there's no border to the image. The background is black. In the background of the image, we can see what looks like kind of like probably like an old house or an old kind of manor or something in the background there, um, or kind of a big house in the woods. Uh, it's surrounded by trees, a moon, and some clouds. In the foreground of the image, we have a man and a woman a uh, man is wearing a denim jacket and a red shirt and probably jeans can't really see what the woman's wearing but she's got long hair that looks to be fairish uh, they're both looking off in the distance to their left and our right and around them uh, the kind of general area around them is uh, strewn with bloodstained sheet music Right. and I would say that the main focus of the image is a skeletal violinist with one eyeball um, <laughs> and a kind of like shock of uh, kind of uh, thinning hair <laughs> Uh, on his scalp and yeah he's playing a violin uh with a bow that appears to be dripping blood yep yep that's that's about all, uh, that's about everything i would say so uh yeah there you go skeleton violinist plays on while uh distressed teenagers uh look fearful in front of a large house with a path strewn with sheet music that is coated in blood by the way if you zoom in you can see that she is wearing a skirt Keenly observed. Yes, uh, just to, just so we don't blow past that. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Thanks for that. Yeah, you're, uh, okay. you're very welcome. I will need a moment. Yeah, sure. Now remember, cast your mind back, Mitch, to maybe 10, 15 minutes ago mm-hmm. um, when I was talking about films that are getting interesting releases that maybe don't deserve them. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is one of them because this is currently available via 88 Films. And, right. and it's a batshit crazy film. It's it's a real bad movie night kind of movie. Okay, okay. I ha- I have I have my idea. Okay, and you, uh, if you, if you give me that, then we'll, we'll discuss the actual film at the end of this. Okay, very good. When aspiring musician Viola Minuet is accepted into a high-end <laughs> musical school, jealous boyfriend Erwin Treblecleff fears that their relationship won't survive the distance. Desperate to be with Viola, he sells his soul to the devil and in exchange becomes a virtuoso violinist, whom the school <laughs> immediately accepts. But dealing with monsters beyond your comprehension is so not a good idea, and Erwin <laughs> will soon realise that he didn't handle the situation with enough care. As he's plagued with increasingly terrifying visions ahead of the school's big year-end concert, it's up to Erwin to fight for survival as the devil wants penance in the form of Viola's hands. The Dark Lord has come and violins will surely follow. It's 1993's The Devil and Treblecleff, Symphony of Destruction. (laughs) I've got to say, I love violins will surely follow. Thanks very much. I was pleased with that. (laughs) That's very, very clever. Well done, sir. (laughs) Okay, put me out of my misery. What are we talking about here? What year did you say? I said 93, which I have a feeling I'm swinging quite wild there. 
you're not swinging as wild as you might think because it's 1989. Okay. And the film is Luigi Cozzi's Paganini Horror. Paganini Horror. Paganini Horror. Okay, tell me more. And more to the point, who's our synopsisizer this week? Well, for the second week in a row, it's Claudio Carvalho. My man, okay. Yeah. The female rock and roll band formed by Kate, Elena and Rita want to release a new album, but their producer, Lavinia, refuses since their songs are very poor. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Their friend Daniel buys a piece of music from a stranger called Mr. Pickett that explains that the music was written by Paganini himself and never released. Lavinia believes that the music will become a hit and she hires the filmmaker Mark Singer to make a video clip in a manner that she has hired from her acquaintance Sylvia Hackett. (laughs) Soon Rita and Daniel disappear and the floor collapses beneath Kate that also vanishes in the hole. The survivors try to flee from the real state but they discover that they are trapped in hell. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Well. That's, that, that's just about as mental as what I suggested, to be fair. Paganini Horror. Uh, yeah, it's available from 88 Films now on Blu-ray. Oh, <laughs> this, this sounds like something that I really want to see. Yeah, well, I've, I've got it. It's here. It's sat on the shelf behind me. Ooh, interesting. Okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe so- I have a double bill of Paganini Horror and Exorcist 3. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is now everywhere. Yes. So uh, get in touch. Um, we would love to hear from you. So, before we turn our attention to this week's show, uh, let's take a quick look at the streaming platforms. Now, Shudder being kind of tight-lipped about this, apparently there is some UK-only stuff coming soon that we're going to get more information about this week, but this week there's nothing really. Right, okay. Um, so, moving to Netflix, on Thursday you've got season one of a show called V-Wars, a fast-spreading disease that turns victims into blood-sucking fiends, pits two best friends against each other in a fight for humanity's future, continuing Netflix's weird preoccupation with deadly virus series right now. Yeah, series right absolutely. Now. Um, yeah, it seems like a strange one. That it's very recurrent, it seems, at the moment. Uh, Saturday, um, Insidious The Last Key. Ooh, uh... Yeah, I'm not a lover of this one either. But fourth installment, if you want to check that out, Haunted by Old Memories, psychic Elise Rainier returns to her childhood home in New Mexico to face her demons and opens the door to dark secrets. And also, as Stevie mentioned this one, so I'm going to give this a little shout as well, on Saturday, a documentary called Hail Satan. Yeah, apparently this is amazing. Massive thanks to Stevie for bringing this up, although I was pretty sure you had it covered, Mitch. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's there. I, I clocked it this morning. But Meet the Satanic Temple, a provocative group whose crusade for religious freedom includes challenging corruption and having a devilish sense of humour. And that's about it for Netflix. And uh, Sky Cinema, we have got on Saturday Adam Robitel's Escape Room. Uh, so one of the three and a half thousand <laughs> films that were released in the last two years with uh, the title Escape Room. But yeah, it's that one. Yeah, I talked about this in the show a while back, remember? Because I was like, I kept accidentally watching the wrong one. <laughs> that's right. Um, uh, I think a couple of listeners did that as well. But yeah, a group of teens are taken and forced to take part in a twisted game and which they must escape if they want to survive. And uh, on Amazon Prime, it's weekly episodes of Mr. Robot and the Purge. Hey! I also did check to make sure that both of those shows are ongoing, and they are. Uh, pick of the week, I'm going to say Hail Satan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, apparently. Because there's a few things there, but not that much in terms of like proper attention grabbers, I don't think. Cool. Thank you for that, Mitch. You're a good man. So, oh, you're very welcome. So, turning our attentions to this week's show. Now, uh, Andy, I think it's fair to say that we've both been having kind of a very busy time of it lately. 
Yeah. A um, few things going on. So we've decided to uh, just kind of like chill out a little bit this week, and we're going to do an Andy versus Mitch episode. Personally, I'm really looking forward to an Andy versus Mitch episode. Yeah, I, I think that the tone of them are always a little bit different, but they're pretty chilled out, very different dynamic, but I think always fun. Uh, so after we righted the wrong of you, of me having two in a row by giving you two in a row, it's back to me again. <laughs> sure. um, so I have gone for something which is available. You can get it in the UK on Amazon Prime Video, for, or Amazon Video, certainly. You can rent it. It's from 2015, and I would say not enough people have seen this, but also I did have a wee scope on the critical reception for it, and it is not well liked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I, I've literally no idea what you're going to say. No, I was going to say we haven't discussed it at all. This week, I have gone for Dan Burke's chamber piece horror, one location, claustrophobic horror, Body. Right, okay. I don't know anything about this. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, well, I'll tell you a couple of things, right? Um, I, for one thing, obviously, I think this is great. I wouldn't have chosen it otherwise. Also, if you're trying to fit it into your busy schedule, it's 74 minutes long. <laughs> right, okay, perfect. And uh, also features an appearance from everyone's favourite horror, Everyman, Larry Fessenden. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's the one that we're going to be talking about this week. I really love this film, and I've actually been trying to find a platform to get more people to check it out for a while, so it's a wonder that it took me this long to think of it. By the way, just speaking of Fessenden, I'm so glad that Tales from Beyond the Pale is out there as a podcast now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been... Uh, I've, I've been uh, eating that up absolutely religiously yeah um since uh, since it made the switch to be in a podcast it's great but yes larry fessenden amongst others starring in body our film for this week now there are loads of films in the world with that title <laughs> so uh you want to be looking for the one like i say it's 2015 it's directed by dan burke and it stars helen rogers and larry fessenden right okay, okay. so uh, that's the one you want to be uh looking for there and like i say it's uh, probably accessible on other platforms as well but it's definitely an amazon video thank you mitch i will dig into that and uh anybody out there seen this anybody got any opinions on this or anything else we've been talking about you know what to do you can get in touch with us through all the usual channels facebook and instagram or strong language violent scenes you can tweet us as well at strong violent pc and you can of course also email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com and let me be the first to say, I have not seen it. Yeah, I like it when this happens. But you can find out all the other information about the show, about us, about upcoming live events, and of course, uh, all the stuff about our tea public and the never-ending Black Friday sale. It's like Black Friday lasts all year. Uh, it's all on our website, strongviolentcamp.com. I think I think tea public's Black Friday sale from 2017 is still ongoing. <laughs> they, they, I got an email from them today that said, uh, we're extending the Black Friday sale. I was like, oh, no, no, no fucking shit. <laughs> For an unprecedented fourth year. <laughs> we are back on Friday talking body. It's Andy versus Mitch. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.